In Deuteronomy chapter 34, we find these words. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Look at verse 10 again. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Will you take a moment and pray with me? Father, we are thankful for today and the opportunity we have to step into your presence now and to discover what you want for us from your word. God, we begin a new journey today, thinking about the life of Moses, and there is so much that we can learn from him. So as we embark on this journey as a church throughout the month of May and into June, I pray that you'd help us to listen, help us to be awake to how God the Holy Spirit will move in us as we learn from Moses. And then God, I just pray that you'd help all of us to be ready and willing to do whatever it is that you place on our hearts so that we can be obedient to you. Bless us now. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin a brand new theme today called Moses in May and a little bit in June. So what we are going to do for the next seven weeks is we are going to dive into the life of this reluctant Old Testament prophet named Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. That's quite a statement, isn't it? I mean, God knew Moses face to face. That's astonishing. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, we read the obituary of Moses, which gives us a snapshot of his life. But there is so much more that we can discover about this reluctant Old Testament prophet that I think will benefit all of our lives. So here's the question. Why do this? Right? Why take seven weeks to do a character sketch on one Old Testament prophet? Well, here are a few reasons. Number one, he is one of the most important, if not the most important figures in all of the Old Testament. So that makes him worthy of our time and our research. Number two, his presence is felt throughout the New Testament as he is mentioned 
by name more than 70 times. And maybe you've never thought about that or considered that if you, as you've been working your way through New Testament passages. Moses is mentioned quite a bit. So again, this makes him worthy of our time. Number three, the defining story, the Jewish people and their deliverance from slavery in Egypt involves, of course, Moses. Number four, in Christ's transfiguration, which you can read all about in Luke chapter 9. Moses actually appears to Jesus and talks to him, which is just an an astonishing scene. And again, you can read all about that in Luke chapter 9, and I would encourage you to do that. Moses actually talks to Jesus. And then number five, the Ten Commandments given by God to Moses is still one of the greatest treasures in all of the world and referred to over and over and over again by followers of God and even by non-followers as well. One of the greatest treasures in the world, the Ten Commandments given by God directly to Moses. Scholar and pastor James Montgomery Boyce, who pastored the historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, stated it this way, apart from Jesus Christ, no person in history has made as deep or lasting an impression on the world as Moses the servant of God. There is so much that we can learn from him. And I want you to hear that. So I'm going to say it again. There is so much, so much that we can learn from the life of Moses. So for the next several weeks, we're just going to open our hearts and invite Moses to mentor us and to teach us. We're going to do that. And I think we're going to have a great journey discovering together. There's one more why as to giving this amount of time to the life of Moses. But here's the final why. And that is, I do believe studying the life of Moses will help us as a community of faith be better together. Better together. That's our one-year theme, our rallying cry as a church. We're calling ourselves to be better together as we apprentice with Jesus. And investigating the life of Moses helps us draw closer to the love of God. And whenever we collectively as a community, as a group, as people seeking to obey God, whenever we collectively get a little bit closer to the love of God, I believe we will be better together. So Moses, here's what he does. He helps us in fresh ways see God, see humanity, see ourselves, and finding our story in Moses' life will draw us into a better together kind of faith community. So let's set the scene with the birth of Moses. I started with his obituary just so that we could get a small glimpse of who he is and how long he lived and how he was an individual who spent time face to face with God. And there's never been another prophet like him in all of Israel. Let's go all the way back to the beginning now. And to do that, I would encourage you with your Bible or your device or the church app to find the Old Testament book of Exodus. The best way to find this book is to open your Bible to the very front 
That is the book of Genesis. If you fly past all 50 chapters, you will eventually find Exodus chapter 1. And here's what verse 8 tells us. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And we're not going to take time to review the life of Joseph who came before Moses, but you can read all about him in Genesis chapter 35 through 50. And you'll see there that God used Joseph in a miraculous way to rescue his people. But now Joseph is gone. He's no longer on the scene. And a new king comes into power, and he doesn't remember Joseph at all. Verse 9, he said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. So fear is a key word here that drives the oppressive treatment of the nation of Israel. And as fear increases, more terrible things begin to happen. As oppression rises, we read this in verse 15. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, Watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Well, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. This is just a gruesome scene where we see Pharaoh beginning to wipe out a population, or at least that is his attempt. So here are just a couple of thoughts. Number one, Moses was born into a world of genocide. And as we think about his arrival into the world and what's happening at that particular time, it is just helpful to know that this person who will redeem and rescue Israel and lead them into freedom, he's actually born into a world of genocide. That's the framework for his early life. It's terrible. They're killing infants. This is beyond horrific, and it's coming straight from the top. Kill the baby boys. 
throw them into the Nile. They cannot live anymore. So Moses was born into a world of genocide. Here's a second thought, and I think this is interesting. Moses is the central figure in this narrative. And he is, and we're going to spend a lot of time thinking about the person of Moses. But the first people mentioned by name in the narrative are two midwives, Shifra and Pua. And this is so good. It's so good. The Pharaoh in this story, and keep in mind that the Pharaoh at this time is the most important and powerful figure in the known world. No one is greater than Pharaoh. He's a really big deal. But he's not even named in this opening chapter in Exodus. Experts believe it may have been Ramesses or Thutmose, if you like studying those things. But there is scholarly debate as to who the Pharaoh may have actually been. We're not exactly sure. But these two women, who really didn't have any power or authority at all, we know them by name. Shifra and Pua. These two professionals are clearly named And we celebrate them as strong and brave and heroic. And 3,000-ish years later, we're still mentioning them by name as we read this passage. The great acts of Shifra and Pua and Pharaoh, we're not exactly sure who it even was. He remains nameless. In this text, scholar Carol Myers said it this way, two female members of an outcast group are conferred the dignity of names in contrast to the namelessness of the powerful king. This is just a very unique aspect of what we find here in Exodus chapter 1. Well, fear led to slavery. And when slavery didn't work, Pharaoh initiates genocide, and that brings us to the birth of Moses, and we find that in chapter 2 of Exodus. Here's verse 1. Follow along as we just continue the narrative. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. Or if you're from Delco, she waterproofed it. (laughs) And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Baby's sister. Moses' sister, her name is Miriam. She then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister, Moses' sister, approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. 
Yes, do that, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, her mother, Moses' mother. Her name is Jochebed. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. So going back to chapter 1, we have Shifra and Pua named as people who helped Moses. And then we discover in chapter 2, there's Miriam, the sister of Moses, and Jochebed, the mother of Moses, and a princess. We don't know her name, but we know she was the daughter of Pharaoh, and she chose to defy her father's hateful decrees by allowing Moses to live and to survive and she cared for him. So right away in Exodus chapter 1 and in chapter 2, we are introduced to five women who helped sustain the life of Moses. So that's the birth of Moses. Born into genocide and really rescued by the heroic acts of people who knew there was something special about him. So what do we do with all of this content? The birth of Moses, some terrible things happening on the world scene. What do we do with all of this? I have two takeaways that I want to share. The first takeaway is this. God works through people. God works through people. I think we probably get that and understand that intellectually. Of course, God works through people. We see that over and over again throughout the pages of Scripture, God working through individuals. But I think this really comes out in the story of Moses because God could have rescued his people any number of ways, including not using people at all, just using his own power and his own strength. But yet, God intentionally chose to raise up individuals and to work through them to save his nation. So with Shifra and Pua and Miriam and Jochebed and a princess, we see God working through people in order to save and to rescue. And I think this should be encouraging for all of us because guess what? God is still in the business of working through people to accomplish his purposes. People like me. People like you. And maybe we walk through very difficult things in life and we're born into some unusual circumstances, but yet God still desires to work through us. And that really comes out in the story of Moses that God works through people. Now think about this. I believe God works through people who are serving other people. And that's when God's best work occurs. When he works through people who are actually serving other people. So the question for all of us to consider is are you serving other people? And are you allowing God to work through you 
to be of service to others. Is that occurring? Let's get in on God's work by opening ourselves to be used by him in service to other people because God can do that. Indeed, God wants to do that. He wants to use you and your life and your story and your failures and your successes and everything in between to accomplish what he wants. God still works through people. So let's be that group. Let's be those individuals that God chooses to use, just like Shifra and Pua and Miriam and Jochebed and the princess. And who knows? Maybe God will use us to raise up a prince, a rescuer, someone who accomplished some great things. So let's not forget God works through people. Do you need a practical next step with that? Think about where you live, work, and play. As you think about God working through you, to serve other people. Where you live, work, and play, there are people right there who need you to serve them. We don't have to go far. We don't have to travel thousands of miles right here where we live, work, and play are people that God wants us to serve. So let's just remember, as we think about the life of Moses, one of the great takeaways here is that God works through people. So let's just open our hearts and our lives to being the kinds of people that God works in and through us, where we live, work, and play to help people see a wonderful God. And let's allow God to accomplish his purposes through us because he still works through people. So let's keep our eyes on serving others. Okay? Takeaway number two. God works through disappointment and difficulties. When you begin to dive into this story, this is a really bleak scene. I mean, we're talking about genocide and wiping out a people group and enslaving them and treating them in beyond despicable ways. That's all occurring here. And this is the scene on which Moses arrives. It's into this world that he comes. And yet what we see as we walk through these verses is that God is always working. Right? Let me say that again. God is always working. God is always working. By the way, we sang that today. Even when I can't see it, he's working. He never stops working. He never stops. And even when things look bleak on the world scene, or even when things look bleak in my life and in my world and with my circumstances, one of the things that falls out of the story of Moses and his life, and let's allow him to mentor us now, okay? Let's open our hearts to this is God is always working even when we can't see it or when we don't feel it. God is always at work behind the scenes and he works through disappointment and difficulties. So what disappointment are you currently experiencing? What difficulty are you walking through at this time? God is there and he sees and he knows And he is always at work even when we can't see it. 
So let's hold on to the faithful hand of God, knowing that he is constantly at work through disappointments and difficulties. And if you don't have a disappointment in your life right now or a difficulty, that's great. Just know there's probably one around the corner, right? Monday is coming quickly. I think we all understand that. And when those moments arrive, may we all understand that God is at work even when it doesn't feel good or even when it appears really hopeless. God's there. And he's always at work. And we can reach out and grab his loving hand. And the other part of that challenge is in that moment to choose the help me path. When we're broken and things look bleak and we can't see how things may turn out, whether it's a relationship or a financial situation or pressure at work or whatever the case may be, when it just seems like God can't come through, let's choose the help me path. About a year and a half ago, some of you may remember this, we had a gentleman on our stage who shared his life story of when he was 14 or 15 years old, he was involved in an accident that left him paralyzed. And he walked through so much during that season, as you can imagine, of wondering what is God doing and why, and those questions were there. But... He faithfully shared with us, I had a choice during that particular time of saying, will I choose the why me path and really get discouraged and lose sight of what God can and wants to do in and through me, even in this situation? Or will I choose the help me path? And Sean shared with us, even though it was very difficult, he chose the help me path and cried out to God. And for a long time now, God has been faithfully using his life and his story to help other people choose that same kind of path. That's the opportunity that's in front of all of us. And we may never walk through something as serious as losing the ability to use our body, but yet we all experience painful things and when that occurs, and when we are down and frustrated in that moment, which path will we choose? Why me? Or help me? Well, the story of Moses is something that consistently encourages us. Choose help me. Choose help me. Choose the help me path, because God is there, and he is constantly working. And he is ready and able to serve us. So back to the big idea. God continually works through the disappointment and heartache that we experience in life. May that sentence and may the story of the birth of Moses that we discover in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2 Encourage us throughout this week to keep looking for God at work even when we can't see it. And may we open our lives to be of service to others because God wants to work in and through us 
and he never, he never stops working. Father, we are thankful for what we have read today about the birth of Moses. God, he came onto the world scene at a very troubling time. So much pain and suffering for God's people. Yet what we discover as we read Exodus is that you saw and you heard and you were aware and you acted. And in the process of doing that, you started to work through people. It's incredible to read this. Shifran, Huan, Miriam, and Jochebed, and a princess who defied the most powerful man in the world at that time and said, I'm going to allow this baby to live. God, I think many people could look at all of that and say, where is God? And why us? Why me? And I think we all find ourselves there at times. God, I pray that you'd use this story to just be a simple reminder. Maybe just clearly understand that you are constantly at work. You're constantly at work. Even when we can't see it or feel it. So help us to choose the help me path and to reach out to your loving arms and allow them to sustain us and carry us through disappointments and hurts. And God, if we're not walking through that kind of season right now, that's great. Help us to still praise you and prepare our hearts for when that moment comes, here's how I will respond. God, thank you for using Moses to mentor us and to help us today. Even his birth is teaching us something. Praise you for that now. In the name of Jesus, right? Amen. But what we discover through the life and story of Moses is that God works. God works. He worked to raise up Moses to rescue his people. And so many stories we could uncover in Scripture about how God worked through people. What we ultimately know is that God worked through Jesus. And he sent him as a rescuer for all of us. And even in that dark and stormy world, Jesus came and he paid the price by dying on the cross for our sins and then he rose again assuring us of a forever friendship with God if we trust and believe in the work of Jesus. See, God works. He's always working. And we want to take a few moments now 
and step into a time of communion and just thank God for working and sending Jesus for us. If you are watching at home, please prepare your elements now. If you are in the room here and didn't get the chance to pick up a cup of juice that contains a piece of bread as well, our host team will be coming down the aisle and you can get one of those now. But let's just take some time to remember how God works even through the gift of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we are told that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks for it, and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please tear off that section that contains the bread now. And let's partake together, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus. Please peel off the section that contains the juice. First Corinthians also tells us that during that same meal, Jesus held up a cup of wine and said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this to remember me. Let's partake together, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus. Father, we come to you now giving praise and glory for being the God who works. The God who works even when we can't see it or feel it. You are constantly working and we honor you and we praise you for being that God. Rescuing Moses and raising him up sending Jesus as the rescuer for us. We praise you. And as we step into this week, God, with the disappointments and hurts that we may experience, help us to keep our eyes on you, understanding that you are at work. So help us to reach out for your loving arms and hold on tightly and walk that help me path. God, encourage us and inspire us to do that now. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.